Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, April 15th, we look at Lesson 3, the Everlasting Gospel. Together, let's see the first angel's message and the proclamation God is calling us to. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, Michael, here we are. Uh, This is Lesson 3, The Everlasting Gospel. We're actually in person together here. Yeah, this makes it a special treat to be able to do this uh, together in person. So pretty, pretty sweet deal. Yes, it is. And uh, the memory text today is coming from Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. We've probably heard this time and time again. If you've grown up in the Adventist church or have been in the Adventist church for a long time. But once again, classic, uh, right? Yeah, Yeah, staple. Uh, It says, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Revelation 14, verse 6. I love that. I mean, there's just no more, uh, no more classic text in all of Scripture that de- describes what Adventism is all about, its ethos and its uh, reason for existence. And so here we are, and we get to explore it together. Yes, and... I love how this is uh, highlighting what is that everlasting gospel, and it breaks it down, and it starts off there Sunday's lesson, A Grace-Filled Book of Hope. Share with us, Michael. Absolutely. So, I mean, part of the context for this revelation, you know, the three angels' messages, but, uh, and and I always like to talk about this, because how do we properly interpret inspired writings, right? So one of them is context, and you have literary context, and that's the immediate context of the the passage, you know, the chapter and verse and so on, or the pericope, they'll say sometimes the larger unit of thought. Uh, But then there's the book itself, and this is where we're beginning here today, is the context, the literary context, the book of Revelation. What is is that book about? Because honestly, we also, you know, tend to think of the book of Revelation, we think of it in the most dire apocalyptic themes, you know, of, of beasts. And, um, right. you know, I, I know uh, Matthew Lucio, so shout out to our, our co, another podcast, uh, Adventist History Podcast. He just came out with some stickers, some beastly stickers. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, so we were having a fun discussion this week, you know, what, which beasts, which beasts? And, um, Another friend, uh, Kevin Burton, was uh, upset. Not, not really, but Kevin, if you listen to this, uh, but the, uh, you know, what about American prophecy? That's another one of these beasts. You know, how many different beasts? We, and my point simply being is that we think of Revelation in terms of a bunch of beasts, a beastly book. And the book of Revelation is not just about beasts. It's true. It does talk about those things. But there's something more. There's more important. And, and that's why uh, the beginning of, of, of the book of Revelation uh, is pointed out. Revelation uh, chapter uh, 1, right there at the very beginning, uh, the first three verses. And it says that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I, I think that is uh, important for us to remember that this is a book about Jesus. And, it, it, and all the apocalyptic and beasts and everything else don't make any sense if we don't understand uh, and are drawn closer to Jesus. And so if you get that, then you will get the book of Revelation. You see Jesus popping right. up throughout the book of Revelation. And by the way, he's the hero of the book too, right? I mean, he he's is, the one he that is. comes again, the earth's made new and everything else. So... Um, 
if you really get revelation instead of getting hung up on the kind of scary details along the way and yes there are some of those details but the more important thing is what's the end story what's the end game so to speak and and when you get that the earth will be renewed and there will be an end to sin and death and evil um, then you start to see that oh there is a plan and there i can have hope and and that's what i love about this book is that gives me meaning and purpose you know when i see the world around me that just seems out of control there's a war going on in the ukraine there's crazy news there's politics whatever you side you happen to be on you know it just seems a little bit sometimes out of control right it does and uh, and so yet we can know that that there is a plan that God has a plan for us and that brings us back to I think what is the central not only the person of Jesus but we also have an important element that explains and unpacks that theme the everlasting gospel what is this everlasting gospel buster yeah so uh, Michael as I'm looking here it's uh, highlighted mm -hmm. Uh, Revelation 14, 6 is talking about the everlasting or eternal. Those words are interchangeable Ooh. often. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has these uh, three texts. Um, I'm going to specifically read 15 or 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 and Romans uh, 3, 24 to 26. Uh, you'll explain, I'll explain a little bit more here in just a second. But as we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, mm. which you also received in which you stand, by which you also were saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed it in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Uh, in short, we are saved by the acts and the merits of Jesus Christ through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All can be saved. That is the gospel. All those who accept the free gift. Uh, but Romans 3.24-26 uh, goes on to say, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a, pro a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, and of course, many of you also know five, uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8, when we're uh, still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly and demonstrate his own love for us. Verse 8 that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so all this to be said, Michael, uh, that asks this question, how is the everlasting gospel presented in these texts? Well, the fact that Jesus' sacrifice was a once-for-all sacrifice mm -hmm. it is not only everlasting in its implications, but also in its remedy, but it's also everlasting in its effects. And so this everlasting gospel that's being proclaimed there in Revelation 14, 6 is just that, uh, telling people to wake up and accept the free gift. And we are part of that, those messengers, right? Yeah. Uh, the church that is telling the world, hey, don't forget about the one who actually is the reason why you are, uh, where you are. And, what, uh, and so we have this way out as well, out of sin. Mm -hmm. 
so it says here, notice four points in Romans. We are justified freely by grace. Grace is a declaration of God's righteousness. Grace justifies those who by faith accept Jesus. And last but not least, God's love was demonstrated for us while we we're yet still sinners. And so with all that being said, uh, hopefully we embrace the everlasting gospel. And the gospel is not what I want to share or what I want to hear. It is the merits of Christ. It is what Christ has done. It's not what I am doing. The gospel can change me, but I don't change the gospel. Almost feels like we should rename the book of Revelation the gospel of Revelation. Ooh, Michael, now you're preaching. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that ties right along with Tuesday's lesson, a story of grace. Sure. So, I mean, this is kind of, you know, what is the gospel, right? And and the whole concept and uh, understanding of Jesus and his death on Calvary, as we're recording, this is right before Easter, right? So we're we're thinking a lot about um, that this time of year. And, and this is an opportunity to kind of um, reflect on what does that actually mean um, in, in concrete, tangible ways. We can talk about the gospel as sort of this esoteric, abstract idea, but it has very, very real and tangible, you know, how do we apply this to our lives? To, so we're just not talking about theoretically, but experientially, right? And and that's a, a big part of what we're, we're focused on here. There's two verses here that um, the lesson has us kind of uh, zone in. Uh, and the first is uh, Revelation 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship at everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world and the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So there's this reference clearly to the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And then the parallel text here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, this time I'm reading from the NIV, mm-hmm. says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you're redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in in these last times for your sake. So here you have this idea of, of Christ's sacrifice, that spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But it says specifically this reference to what well, theological terms we call the atonement, right? The right. atonement, the reconciliation that takes place. That that this has special, it always has um, relevance and significance for, for salvation history because we're only saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's, it specifically says revealed in these last times for your sake. In other words, there there is a special emphasis, especially as we're thinking about end time events, mm-hmm. end times, last days, whatever you want to call it, apocalyptic, um, that there is a special need to proclaim the message of the gospel. That there is... is essential to what it means to be Adventist by far. And so um, this, this is really, um, this is really quite amazing. If you think about it, what, what does it mean um, to, to actually uh, to be Adventist? And um, it's interesting. I've been reading William Miller this week. Uh, I was telling you this a little bit earlier, Buster. Oh yes, um, please, please and, share this. With yeah. The so I mean, because he he he's getting criticized for proclaiming about Jesus's soon return, and 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 he says, you know, this this is amazing. He said, you know, I I expected that everybody would love this news, the idea that Jesus would be coming again, mm-hmm. uh, and why wouldn't they? Wouldn't it be better to be prepared 
and have Jesus come than to have Jesus come and not be prepared, even if, if, if one's wrong with that. The idea that you just want to share Jesus with others. And, and I, I just find that to be such a, a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and this is one of my favorite quotes, I think, ever from William Miller. I've never heard anyone else quote it anywhere else before. Um, but uh, he's talking, trying to explain why it's so important to share the news about Christ's coming. And he, and he explains it's because you fall in love with Jesus. Uh, and, um, and, and, and I just want to read this excerpt. This is from his book, uh, Views of the Prophecies. He says, uh, let me persuade you. Um, and if any of you should feel your hearts growing cold and relaxing from your duty, that's the need to share the gospel and Christ soon return, right? And have doubts about your interest in the kingdom. Go to the Bible. Pray for the Spirit of God to help you Whoa. examine this doctrine of the coming of Christ, the resurrection and judgment. And if you are a child of God, you will love the doctrine. And if you are not, you will hate it. <laughs> this is William Miller. I'm just he's, reading William Miller. He's not holding back there. He's not. <laughs> whatever you may think of yourself, whatever doubts or fears you may have, your heart must be the thermometer on the subject. Your affections, like quicksilver, will rise or fall as you come in contact with this glorious theme. If a man love Christ, he will love his appearing. And if he hate him, he will hate to see him come. This rule cannot be broken. Now, if on close examination, you do love the thought, cast not away your confidence, which mm. has great recompense or reward. And so he encourages, look to the Savior. Beautiful thought. Amen. Look to, look to the Savior. Savior. Yeah. Oh, man, that was good, Michael. Thank you for saying so that. So I had to throw in a little Adventist history for you here. So anyways, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's about the cross. It's about uh, all of that. So which means that we uh, then need to kind of share it, which is, I think, a uh, segue into Wednesday's lesson. Yeah, into all the world. Revelation 14, 6 again, talking about proclaiming this message. But then it goes, uh, it, it asks this question, it says, what extent of the proclamation of the everlasting gospel and why and why is the answer important to us and our mission and calling as a church? Uh, what is the extent of the proclamation? Uh, and then asks us to read Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. And uh, as I'm going there, I could more than likely quote it, but I would like to go ahead and read it mm. uh, as it's going there. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Mm hmm. And, of course, it's loading up again, right? <laughs> <laughs> Technology's great when it works. Yes, it is. I, uh, this is what I told you, Michael, earlier. Good, <laughs> good news, there's editing, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. There, there it is. Uh, Go, therefore, and uh, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Once again, I, I love that it's, it's pairing Revelation 14 with Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 through 20. I love to stick 18 in there as well, because this is the quintessential message of the Adventist message, which is we're not only proclaiming the three, three angels message, but we're listening to the direct command of Jesus, which is to go and teach, right? Or, or make disciples of all the nations. Uh, discipleship is proclaiming the messages of the three angels as well. And so as we're looking at this, uh, there's a quote that the principal contributor uh, shares from Paul David, David Tripp, an author that I absolutely love. 
Uh, he wrote a book called Dangerous Calling. If you're a pastor, you love your pastor, share with him this book. It's wow. an amazing book. Okay. Sounds yes. like one I need to read. Yes. I've read oh, some of his other stuff, so he's quite an author. Yes. His, uh, he has another book on uh, leadership called Just Straight Up Lead. It's great. Another book on parenting. I, I love his books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, human beings were created to be part of something bigger than their own lives. Sin causes us to shrink our lives down to the size of our lives. The grace of Christ is given to rescue us from the uh, claustrophobic confines of our own little self-focused kingdom and frees us to live for the eternal purposes and satisfying delights of the kingdom of God. Uh, And that's a book called Living for Something Bigger Than You. Nice. Uh, And so as we, we look at that and we think about it, that's what we're about. Uh, We're about expanding and growing the kingdom and being a part of, once again, I, I know we talked about it for the last three weeks, the winning side with Jesus Christ. Mm. And so, Michael, uh, finish us off here with a mission movement. All right, Buster, just a little warning, a little more Adventist history. Yes, let's go. So, I mean, we even have in there 1874 Jane Andrews, although I'm going to back up and say, you know, Adventist mission started a long time before that. Uh, but <laughs> yes, but it, it was did. a gradual awakening because the Millerites and others, they said, well, we put some tracks on boats, so and people have been Protestant missionaries. So we've kind of done our job of getting the gospel to the world. But but as the Adventist message, as, as they kind of recalibrated and kind of got their bearings and kept going back to the Bible and studying more, um, they went from a movement that was very insular to one that became very global as they realized the broad scope of their uh, mandate that God had uh, wanted them to proclaim the gospel, the three angels' messages to all the world, every nation, tongue, tribe, and people, right? Or whatever translation you use for that, but the idea that it needs to be global. Um, and it's true. It's true next year. Yeah. Marks 150 years since Jane Andrews went as the church's first official missionary. But the story that a lot of people don't realize is he didn't go by himself. Okay. He had his kids, uh, Mary and Charles, and, and they had a, a young person returning back with them, Adamar Vuleme, who um, had come over to Battle Creek to study. Oh, okay. Well, why was he that. there? Because there had been other missionaries before them that had gone. People uh, like Michael Tchaikovsky and others who went basically on their own. They said, hey, we would like to be a missionary. And they're like, well, we don't have any money. <laughs> so he, he was actually quite clever and got the Advent Christian denomination to sponsor him. Oh, so wow. well, didn't, let's, let's focus on the Adventist part, not the Sabbath part. <laughs> but eventually they kind of figured it out. And that's how Jane Andrews ends up going over there. And, and, and um, Adamar Valame is going as a sort of a translator. As a, and, and this is what's amazing. It's not just... I will suddenly go and spontaneously go to the other side of the world. There's always, it's part of a complex process. There was a gradual awakening of awareness. And I think that's probably true in my own life, you know, where you realize God's calling within your spheres of influence. And he may call you to, maybe it's your neighbor or a family member or someone far away. Sometimes we don't know. We don't know. And, and, and But as a church, that is a, a gradual awakening. Of course, I like to always point out the first official Adventist mission was to the far away land of California. <laughs> we, we just don't call it a foreign mission because, you know, right. but, you know, it was still the Wild West and it was hard to get there and everything else. So that was a mission too. And, and then, of course, I've had a lot of fun this last year, the 
how the early beginnings of the California mission spawned a mission in a place called the Sandwich Islands. Oh, Sandwich Islands. Which is today now Hawaii. <laughs> you know, what a place to have to go be a missionary. But, but, but simply this, this point being is that missions and the development of missions and this realization of Revelation 14 of the proclamation to all the world, the responsibility was one that gradually happened over time. And yes, there are high points along the way. And probably the most notable one is when Jane Andrews goes. He didn't go by himself and it was a complex process. And by the way, that's still that deepness and awareness, there's still a lot of people in the world, Buster, who've never heard the name of Jesus Christ and certainly don't know about the beautiful Adventist message that we believe. So mm-hmm. it's not like other people have checked off the list and it's all done and now we're just kind of waiting. Uh, we still have work to do, Buster. We do. No, we have a lot, to, a lot of work to do. And I appreciate that once again, Michael, of, of recognizing that although there's some recognizable names, there's many people who are currently or who have in the past who have gone and maybe not have received the recognition, but they will in heaven. Absolutely. That's where our reward is. And keep that at the forefront of our minds to be open and connected with God. So when he tells us to go, we're willing to go. Amen. Well, I think that covers the everlasting gospel for this week. I mean, what a great uh, quarter that we can reflect on our Adventist identity, the three angels messages. So until next time, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personable colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.